Um, we are closing out our series on Marketplace Ministry. Uh, for those of you that don't know, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Bible Church, and we've been focusing on how to be a light in our community. Uh, last week, we focused on Luke 10, and the, or no, last week, we, the week before we focused on Luke 10, last week, we focused on uh, how God makes us unique with our shape and how God uses our different shapes to minister to people in our community. And, and uh, while we were reading through that, one of the things that stuck out to me was the, one of the first steps in reaching our community is to, to bless or to speak peace. Everyone say speak peace. But how many of you know you can't speak peace if your heart is filled with bitterness? It's really hard, right? Um, and so... If you look several chapters before Luke 10, Luke 6, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth will speak. So whatever your heart is filled with, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. Amen. How many of you, what, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever gotten in a a passionate discussion with your significant other. And as you are passionately discussing something, something slips out of your mouth. And as it's coming out of your mouth, you're like, no. And you want to like grab it and pull it back. And, and, and after you say it, the person that you say it to is just staring at you like, I can't believe you said that. And you're thinking in your mind, I can't believe I said that either. How many of you have ever experienced something like that? Oh, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> we all have. All of us have experienced that. And it's because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And so it's not as important to, to harness our tongue because that's impossible. What we need to do is, is maintain our heart. And when we start getting irritated and frustrated, that's where we deal with our heart issues. Amen? So I went to Luke 6, and I was reading through Luke 6, and that's what we're going to be going over today because I feel like God has, there's a destiny on every single one of our lives to represent Jesus well. You were created in the image of God. Every single one of you were created in the image of God. Look at the person next to you and tell the person next to you, you look like Jesus. Even if you're a woman, you can still look like Jesus inside. But God has made us to look like him. We're image bearers of our creator. And so as image bearers, and that's the mission of our lives, God has called us to live a life that is not, um, is not marred by short-sightedness, but that there is a long-term vision of a work that he's given us to do that will not end. Amen? It's an eternal work. And so... Um, so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to jump into Luke 6, and the title of this message is Built to Last. Everyone say, Built to Last. Built to Last. Um, let's read the scripture together, and then we'll jump into this, jump into the word. Um, so this comes from Luke 6, 47 to 48. We could all read that together. Is that on the, do we have that? Oh, okay. At the count of three, one, two, three. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, 
the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been built well. Well built. Well built. It built well. Same thing. Um, how many of you want to live a well built life? God, when I used to read this scripture before, I used to think that it's all the words of Jesus, and it is all the words of Jesus. But if we go before these scriptures and read through Luke 6, I believe that Jesus laid out a formula of how to survive during turbulent times. How many believe that we're living in some pretty turbulent times? How many of you have felt shaken in the last two years? And there's a lot of different issues of the heart that are surfacing, animosity, bitterness, um, hatred, all kinds of stuff that's happening in our society. And God has called us to manage our hearts well, and I believe that he gave us a good outline of how to do that in Luke 6. So can we pray together and we'll jump in. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you love us and that there is a work that you have for us to do on this planet and that this work is an eternal work. And you've asked us and called us to lay a foundation in our lives and in our hearts of your kingdom that will know no end. And so, God, we just pray that you'd speak to us through your word this morning. Thank you so much that you haven't left us uh, clueless, but you've written out plainly uh, the, the ways of your kingdom and how we can participate in it and how, how we can walk in it. So I pray that you'd speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Uh, anoint me as I share your word this morning. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. How many of you enjoyed your Thanksgiving? How many of you ate a lot during Thanksgiving? How, how, how many of you, uh, before, how many of you ate lunch? Raise your hand if you ate lunch. How many of you were, it was a Thanksgiving dinner? Raise your hand if it's, so more dinners than lunches. Okay, so you know you're going to eat a lot during dinner time. So how many of you didn't eat a lot all day long because you knew you're just going to pig out during dinner? How many of you? You kind of like planned your, your day. Maybe you even planned the day before because you knew how much you're going to eat and you didn't want to feel guilty for taking 3,000 calories in your meal. So you, you didn't, you, you kind of went light on the day before. How many of you, because you had, you had a, a longer term vision for the day, right? So it was easy to not eat in the morning because you knew you were going to eat a lot at night. Um, there's four, what does that have to do with managing your hearts? There's, there's four things that I believe in in Luke 6 that Jesus talks about to, that help us to manage our heart. Four keys to build a heart that lasts. Number one is we need to have the correct time frame. Number two, the correct assignment. Number three, to have a reliable test. And number four, to expect the right result. So, so have the correct time frame, have the correct assignment, have a reliable test, expect the right result. So, number one, have the correct time frame. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. I'm just going to read what Jesus wrote, Luke 6, 20 through 26. He lifted his eyes toward his disciples and he said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil 
for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Jesus outlines here that the way to live your life right is to have a correct time frame. To have a correct time frame. When I went to college, one of the things that I thought was this is completely ridiculous because every single day I have to go to class and it's like a job. I have to study, I have to work, I have to write all these papers and instead of getting paid for it, I have to pay for this. How many of you, does that make any sense? That instead of getting paid for your labor, you're actually paying somebody so that you can labor. And I used to think, this is so ridiculous. This makes no sense at all. But the reason why I went through the pain and went through the struggle and did my homework and wrote my papers was because of the time frame. I knew that there was a reward waiting for me at the end. The big, fat teacher's paychecks. <laughs> you sense the sarcasm in my voice? Yeah. But I went through the difficulty so that I could receive the reward. And in our lives, if we don't have the correct time frame, if we're thinking that our reward is here on earth or our reward should be now, then it's going to be really hard to walk out the life that God's called us to live. But if we know that our rights, our freedoms, everything that our rewards are not for this life, but in this life we represent who Jesus was and he laid his life down and then he was exalted high above all other names. If we live our life like Jesus now, then we get the reward in heaven later. Amen? The time frame, we have to have the correct time frame to live the correct way. Number two, have the correct assignment. This is tough. So have the correct assignment. I'm going to read, um, I'm going to read from 27 to 36. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Everyone say love your enemies. How many of you have a hard time with this one? How many of you have enemies? How many of you have made some enemies in the past two years? <laughs> How many people have made enemies of you in the past two years? Yeah, there's a lot of enemies now. Love your enemies. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, love your enemy. Love your enemy. Do good to those who hate you. Now, this is simple stuff. We hear this all the time, but this is not easy stuff. Do good to those that hate you. How many of you can think of someone that hates you right now? No, really. How many of you can think of someone who hates you? Yeah. Now, the Bible says, this is your assignment. Love them and do good to them. Are you a Christian? This is simple stuff, right? But it's not, it's not easy. Not no, this is not easy. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Then he goes on 
to say, to him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. We don't wear tunics, we don't wear coats, but the idea is, and the implication in the scripture is that you're going to have enemies. That you're going to have people that hate you. That you're going to have people that hurt you, right? When they hit you, let them hit your other cheek. <laughs> That's... And then you're going to have people that, that actually steal from you. I have, a, I have a gun in my house for people like that. <laughs> for real. But, but God, God says... God says to love them, to do good to them, and then to, to, to give to them. I'm a pastor, and this is hard stuff. This, then he goes on, and, and he says, give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away, uh, takes away your goods, do not ask for them back. Don't shoot them either. <laughs> Thank you, Robin. And, and just as you want men to do to you, do to them likewise. And, and this is the reason. It says, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. You're no better than a sinner if you just love people who love you. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. So, love your enemies. Everyone say, love your enemies. Say it again, because we need to hear it again. Say, love your enemies. Do good and lend hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. This is the call of our lives. God has created us with a purpose, and a lot of us think that purpose is to do these great things, and it is, you know, God is doing so many great things through this church by people who want to make an impact in the community. And it's, it's awesome to see. But you know what you were created for? You were created to reflect the image of your creator. It's not so much what you do, but it's how you do it. It's not what you do, it's how you do it. Jesus does things in a certain way. He lives a certain way. And what we will find is that as we live the same way that Jesus lived his life, as we model ourselves, and no matter how hard it is to live this out, when we live it out, as difficult as it is, we're going to feel a fulfillment and joy that won't come from anything else because it's what we were created to do. When you do what you were created to do, you will feel a sense of purpose and fulfillment that can't come from anything else. And when you model your life 
to reflect your father, to love the ungrateful, to bless the ungrateful, to bless the evil, to be merciful. There's something that will happen in your heart where there'll be a resonating between you and your father in heaven, and you'll, you'll feel that this is right. You'll, it will be hard to do, but once you do it, you'll know it's right. Amen? <laughs> How many of you are going to do it? <laughs> and so he doesn't just tell us what to do, but then he lays out the benefits. In the next scripture, he says, judge not, and you will not be judged. How many of you don't want to be judged? Real easy to not be judged. Don't judge. It says, condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Who wants to not be condemned? Who, who wants to be condemned? Does anybody here want to be condemned? Because it's real easy. You just got to condemn others. It says, forgive, and you will be forgiven. How many of you need forgiveness? Give, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Isn't that an awesome promise? How many of you want blessing to just overflow your life? Now that's all of us. And the way that that happens is opposite from what the world says. The world says you got to accumulate. You need to do things, you know, do all this stuff to gather. But what Jesus says is scatter. And as you scatter, it will be given back to you. It's opposite. So these are all the benefits of doing the hard thing. So have the correct assignment. The correct assignment is to love. Everyone say love. To do good, everyone say do good, and to lend expecting nothing in return. So everyone say give, give. Number three, have a reliable test. So then he goes on and he says, so he, he outlines all of this stuff. You got to love your enemy, do good to those that hate you, pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you, um, give, do good, lend with nothing in return. All of those things are helping to manage your heart well. It's, it's really, really hard to hate somebody that you give something to. It really is. I want you to think of the person that you hate the most. And you're, not, you're a Christian. You're not supposed to hate anyone. But think of someone that just like when you hear his or her name, your blood kind of boils. Because I have somebody in my head right now. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who. <laughs> but <laughs> as I was preparing this, I, was, I felt God say, you got to bless these people. And I, I'm like, oh. And I already know, like, God wants me to bless them. And, and so God asked me to bless them, not really for their sake, but for my sake. Because when I bless them, and I've experienced it before with people that I've hated. When I bless them, something happens in my heart where I can't hold a grudge against somebody that I've blessed. And then my heart is okay. And I don't have to struggle with that bitterness. And I don't have to, like, you know, 
want to do all kinds of bad stuff. <laughs> I know some of you are listening to me. Are you a pastor? What's wrong with you? Um, unhuman. So, so how do we know the condition of our heart? You know, when they went in, everything was fine, right? When they went into my heart, I shared this a couple of weeks that I got a stint put in my heart. And all the tests that I took, I passed with flying colors until they did the angiogram and then went into my artery and then shot the dye and saw all that plaque in there. And then I had a 95% blockage that they had to put a stint in. But they, they would have never known unless they went in and saw it. How many of you want an angiogram for your spiritual heart? How many of you want to know the condition of your heart? Because Jesus says right here, what it, you want the test? This is the test. It says, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Well, what is that fruit? For every man is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from a thorn, or they do not gather grapes from a bramble bush. This is the test. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is your angiogram, what comes out of your mouth. Think about all the conversations you've had this past week. All the complaining that you've done. All the people that you've talked to your spouse about that you hate. All the ridiculous things that our government is doing that you've told someone about. All the desires in your heart to recall our mayor. Not me. That's, no, that's me. <laughs> Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And as I was reading this, I started thinking of all the conversations I've had, because I go walking with Pastor Lance in the morning at 5 o'clock in the morning. And you know when you're half awake and you're walking, all the things in your heart come out. <laughs> And I grumble and I complain to Pastor Lance about all the things that are going on in my life. And I'm thinking about that conversation. And I'm like, man, I got some plaque in there. I need a stint that's going to kind of like open up, you know, the, the arteries of my spiritual heart. And that's the test. Are we managing our heart well? Because we'll know by what comes out of our mouth. How many of you are passing that test? How many of you have like a 95% blockage? <laughs> <laughs> Some of us, honesty, oh, that's good. Um, the last thing is to expect the right result. Um, everyone who com comes to me, so here, this is, this is the right, right result. If we do what was outlined before, we have the correct time frame of our reward, we have the right assignment, we do our assignment and we have a reliable test, which is the words that come out of our mouth, and then we adjust. We, we make the changes that are needed. This is the right result. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do the things that I say? Oh, that is convicting. Jesus just said this after he said that, right? And he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, 
and don't do the things that I say, which is love your enemy, bless those that curse you. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. I believe as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ, that there is going to be more and more offense. There's going to be more and more things to get bitter about. There's going to be more, like, nobody has come up to me and struck my face. Nobody has come to my house and stole my stuff yet. But as we get closer and closer, there's going to be more and more offense. And how do we get through the offense? How do we get through the trial? We love our enemies. Knowing that the reward is not here, it's in heaven. We do good to those that hurt us. Pray for those that despitefully use us and persecute us. And as we do these things, we will be like a house that is on a firm foundation, that is not affected by the storm that comes against it. Amen? Uh, I'm going to call Gary up. Uh, Gary Thomas, we've been talking about serving God with our shape. And in S-H-A-P-E, E is experience. And Gary has been a lieutenant, colonel in the military, served many tours in Afghanistan. And he, God is using him to minister to people in Afghanistan. He actually went to do a tour and was going to recruit me to go. And I, I was too scared to go. But he, he went in and, and, and he made it out days before Afghan fell to the Taliban. And it could have easily been a different story, yeah? Um, but he's been working with people, helping them to get out. And every year on, in December, we do, um, we do a fundraising for a certain charity. And this year, um, we were, I was talking to him at a coffee shop. But, you know, I've been talking uh, and getting the emails of what he's been doing to get people out of Afghanistan. And I, I felt this would be a very good thing to put some money behind. So could you please welcome Gary as he shares. Thank you, Pastor Jonathan. Uh, by the way, God bless this group here. You know, I've, I've often told my students that uh, you really want a true perspective. Go out on the mission field. Go into a conflict country. Go into a third world country and then come back here. And uh, it, it really gives you a, a new perspective on things. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to give an update. Last time I was up in front of you um, was uh, a few months back. Uh, we were planning on uh, bring, taking a small team from the church here into Afghanistan on, on one of our uh, humanitarian missions. Uh, of course, you know we're, we do faith-based humanitarian missions in, in Afghanistan. Uh, and I went out uh, July and August for a couple weeks, this past July and August, uh, to do some work, but also to uh, uh, take a measure of, of what the environment looked like because we knew the Taliban was, was moving in fast. And I didn't want to take a team from here into some place that was really dangerous. So I went out in July and August, and um, uh, little did I know how, how dangerous it had become. 
uh, and uh, I, I was there. I flew out just a, just a couple of days before the, the city fell. And um, uh, do, did I get those pictures? Okay, I brought a couple of pictures with me. Um, and uh, so we had a, a lot of projects in Afghanistan going on. Uh, you know, we were building a, a school library. We we're building a gymnasium in, in, in the community. We had just delivered eight brand, brand new laptops to the library uh, just that week before uh, Kabul fell, and it's all gone. You know, everything's gone. The university that I used to visit, uh, American University of Afghanistan, the U.S. was putting $20 million a year into it. It's gone. You know, everything's gone uh, from the country. The country's completely uh, closed down. And uh, what else do I not have? But um, so uh, we were uh, in there. I, w I went in. Uh, I was working. Uh, we were planning on staying and, and doing a number of things. Um, but uh, uh, everything started uh, locked down. The Taliban started coming in. And literally as I flew out, they were at the gates of the city. Uh, just at the lot, and then they, the city fell right after that. So um, uh, I got back, and not only I was only back for a couple of days, uh, and I got called uh, to return to United Arab Emirates in Abu Dhabi, and I spent a couple more weeks there into September. I was there helping with extraction. So our focus turned to uh, extraction, getting our, our folks out of there, our staff members, our, the families that we were working with, the students that we were working with, uh, getting them out was a, a very, very extremely difficult. I won't spend a lot of time on that right now. Uh, but basically, we had we had two big groups that we were trying to get out. Um, uh, the first group was Qasim and his group. They were staff members and stu students. We managed to get them out fairly quickly on on uh, airplanes. It was it wasn't very easy, and they risked their lives to get out. But we got them out. They're now at United Arab Emirates in Abu Dhabi, the humanitarian center there. And they're waiting on um, uh, immigration paperwork through the Department of State, which uh, is going to take months and months and months. It's a very slow process. And um, uh, the second group, uh, which we just got out a couple weeks ago, was, uh, I'm going to show you some pictures here in a second, was uh, Asif and his family, his family of seven, uh, Asif uh, was a former uh, deputy governor of Bamiyan province, which is equivalent to our uh, state lieutenant governor. Uh, and after that, he was a senior advisor to the vice president of Afghanistan. Uh, so, uh, and he was also uh, a very public supporter of women's rights and also the U.S. So he, had, he was a marked man. Uh, actually, he was uh, highly at risk. And so for two months, him and his family literally were moving from house to house every couple of days, trying to stay a, a step ahead of the Taliban. It took us three uh, time, three efforts to get him out. Um, I went back into UAE. I was working with a special forces team there, uh, getting folks out. And we, uh, the first two attempts to get him out, he couldn't do the things that the other group was doing because he, he had two small children. And, uh, the first attempt was to get him out through, uh, I don't know if you guys heard about Abbey Gate uh, at, at Karzai Airport. Uh, that's where the, uh, the suicide bombers blew, uh, blew up, uh, killed about 50 people. Uh, that was the day that we were trying to get him out, and he was at Abbey Gate, and he was just a couple hundred yards away from that explosion with his little children. Um, they said, he said they were literally stepping over dead people laying on the ground. Uh, people were getting shot. 
all around him. And so they, they managed to get out of that. So that was our first attempt to try to get him out. Um, and uh, our second attempt, again, a special forces group went in, couldn't get him. They couldn't get to him. Our third attempt, we decided to try to get him out uh, over land. Um, and this is Asif and his family of seven in that truck. They just traveled very, very dangerous journey, 200 miles across the desert, numerous Taliban checkpoints. They had to travel at night. Um, and they, they're right now, this, they're at the Pakistan border. They just crossed the border. Go to the next picture. So we managed, finally managed, third time, finally managed to get them out. Right now they're in um, Pakistan. They're in a safe house. Very, very primitive conditions. It's very difficult for them. Uh, we're, we worked out a, a deal with uh, Brazil, of all places. They agreed to take, to grant uh, him and other refugees temporary visas to fly into Brazil while we're waiting on the, the, the ponderously slow um, Department of State process to, to grant visas. It's probably going to take about a year. Uh, so our next step is to get him and also Qasem and their, and their group out. Uh, uh, we're hoping to get uh, Asif out in the next, this month um, to Brazil, uh, and that's going to uh, cost uh, cost money. We have several churches on uh, that we're working with on the Big Island, uh, and but we're trying to raise about $10,000 to get his family of seven to Brazil and get them resettled uh, until we can get them to the U.S. We actually have a church on the Big Island uh, who have some members that are going to provide housing and eventually work for, for them once we get them to the Big Island. But that's going to be a, about a year-long process. Um, the, uh, uh, so that's what we're working on now is, is getting them resettled. Um, go to the next picture, please. At the same time, some of you, I've talked about uh, the gentleman in the blue right there. That's, well, that's me in the corner. Uh, this was my, the, uh, two day, the day before I left. This was only a few days before that the city fell. That's in Kabul. We're, ha we're having lunch. Um, the gentleman uh, on my left there in the blue, that's, uh, that's Han. He's the leader of our underground church there, and that's who a lot of you have been get, uh, giving us money to support. Uh, incredibly uh, courageous men. We offered, we tried to get him out. We offered to take him out. Uh, he refused. He said his his ministry is there, so he stayed. And uh, right now, as I speak, um, it, he's going under some some uh, incredible persecution. Taliban are going door to door. They're confiscating property. They're confiscating money. They won't let uh, girls go to school. They won't uh, let women work. Uh, and, and in the midst of that, he's witnessing for Christ. And so we are uh, continuing to support him. Very, very hard to get money to him. All the banks are, are closed. There is no postal service. There's, you can't write a check. Um, Western Union is shut down. And literally, we have to smuggle cash into him through people uh, to try to get him money. But we're supporting, we'll continue to support him as well. Uh, so the mission is still going on in Afghanistan. Uh, all in, and by the way, the Taliban may have shut down the country, uh, but we're still working there. And our next project now that we're working on right now is 
establishing an underground girls' school in Kabul. There are some uh, other organizations that are actually working the same thing, too. So we're working on that as well. So um, just an update on, on the things that we're doing, and the, the work's continuing. And right now we're trying to get these uh, get some of these folks out of there, too. So, yeah. Could you guys stretch out your hands to Gary? And, um, we're just going to pray for uh, the ministry that is there in Afghanistan. God, we just thank you for the experience and the position that you've placed Gary in uh, being your hands and feet to these people in Afghanistan and even the model that they are to us of sacrificing and laying down their life to share the gospel in very harsh conditions. God, we just pray uh, protection over uh, th those that are in Afghanistan and, and those that are uh, moving them out. Uh, God, we just pray for continued wisdom on Gary's life and uh, thank you for what he's doing there. We just pray that uh, our church could be a blessing to those uh, that are in need during this time and God, that we could be your hands and feet. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name and everyone said, amen, amen. How many of you thought you had a hard life? So this is one of the things that that scripture says. It says, lend with no um, with no expectation of getting anything in return. And it, and there's no way that you'll see any of this return to us except except that you know that you did the will of God. And so uh, this is something he said, $10,000 that we're going to try to raise uh, to get these guys to Brazil. And if that's on your heart, um, then you can give um, now till Christmas and um, and earmark it for Afghanistan. And uh, um, thank you so much for sharing. Um, Andrea's going to give us an announcement. Okay. Give a hand for Andrea. <laughs> 